You're listening to the 10X Your Agency podcast, where every Wednesday for the next 12 weeks, you'll be learning strategies on how to scale up your agency and grow your client base from successful agency owners who've been there, done it, and built a highly successful agency. You'll learn how they attract clients, what their biggest causes of client churn were, and what their challenges were at different stages of building their agency. My name is Marcus Taylor, and I'll be your host. Hey guys, welcome to episode three of the 10X Your Agency podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jonathan Dane, who is the founder of Client Boost, a PPC and conversion agency that Jonathan has grown to almost $250,000 in monthly recurring revenue in less than two years. Within their first year, they did almost a million dollars in annual revenue. So we're going to talk to Jonathan about how he's built up the agency quite so quickly, some of his philosophies around using content to grow an agency, as well as much, much more. So Jonathan, it's a huge pleasure having you here on the show. How are you doing? Doing quite amazing and well. Thanks so much for having me. How are you? Awesome. My pleasure. No, really, really good. Cool. Before we dive in, I was just wondering if you can maybe explain a little bit about what it is that Client Boost does. Yeah, so the name's kind of awkward, you know, now thinking <laughs> about it. We, we're basically a, a PBC and landing page hybrid agency. So we deal with the, the traffic acquisition part and the conversion part for our clients. And most of them make up around um, the SaaS industry or just lead gen as well with some e-commerce here and there sprinkled in. So that's, that's basically what we do in a nutshell. Interesting. And what was it that kind of made you go for that kind of PPC conversion combination? I figured out really early after one of my clients in the past had an unbounds account and just said, hey, we're sending traffic to these landing pages. And I started messing around with it and started seeing, wow, this is pretty cool. And we hit our goals insanely fast as far as what we had laid out. And I don't think that would have been possible without the CRO aspect of that. Mm. And so since then, I kind of figured out that they have to go hand in hand. Um, Without it, you know, you can still get results, of course, one, you know, separated in silos. But if you do it together and have it all within one team, like we do, having our account management squad and our, and our CRO design squad, all of our clients get to work together with one from each team, you know, with, to work together on the goals, basically. So that from then, I was like, we have to have that. Yeah, nice. So I read somewhere that Client Boost reached a million dollars in annual revenue within its first year of business. But just before we jumped on this interview recording, you mentioned that you're, you're now doing $250,000 per month. Is that correct? Almost, almost there. So in the first year business, we hit a run rate of $100,000 in uh, monthly reoccurring revenue. And so if you obviously do the simple math, um, that's 1.2. So we were, I think we were really close. I think, I think we finished around 800000 in our first year. And then now we have the goal by end of year to be at 250 per month. And that leaves us just... I think about a year and nine months as far as the age of, uh, of agency. Yeah. So it's crazy. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. And, and like I mentioned earlier, too, as an agency owner, you always kind of bite your lip because, you know, what if you would have kept some of these clients that, that have left? Um, and where would you be at now? And that's like the, the dangerous thing to look at um, yeah. because with anything business wise, things come and go. And so what we've been really focusing on is um, the learning opportunities that come with it and saying, what can we do to, to uh, you know, if you have a bucket, like, can we patch this up over time so that we just feel more, more solid? And if clients ever leave, we know that it was kind of our, you know, outside our realm of what we could control. That is insanely impressive. Thank you. Kudos for that. But, you know, you can't be doing, you can't reach those numbers accidentally. Like, I feel that there was a very kind of solid strategy behind reaching that point. And, I, I believe you had a was it, you had an agency before Client Boost. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I got a lot of my learnings from that. And what we basically did differently here was 
you know, I was thinking to myself, this is my second go around. And Kleinboost was actually not even wanting to get started being an agency again. I was actually kind of wanting to take a break from agency life and start building maybe some SaaS tools. But I knew that I really loved content marketing, you know, ironically enough. And I loved writing and, and sharing what I think is humorous. And people will be like, oh, that's not funny. You have too many gifts in your posts. But so far, so good. It's been working, right? So what I decided to do was just, just looking at things. And, and it comes back to, you know, before I even started doing this, I used to detail cars on Craigslist, which I'm sure you're aware of what that site is, and putting out my quote unquote, like ad for washing and waxing cars in Orange County in California, which is a pretty prolific area where people have some fancy cars. Um, and I was looking at the competition. I'm like, these guys have just like text based ads. They don't have any pictures of themselves. Like they don't have any before and after shots. So I was like, let me figure out how to put in images, you know, within uh, a Craigslist ad. And I remember getting calls and emails saying, how did you do that? And some of these <laughs> would be my competitors, right? Um, and eventually I would get them to change, you know, their ad to say, hey, don't let a college kid, you know, detailing your car and all that stuff. And, and truly I sucked crap at it. Like I was really bad. I don't think I ever got anybody to call me back to come back and wash or detail their car. But there were some days where I would be making like $300, $400 a day. And, and being that young, that was really good money and obviously exhausting at the same time. So from then, I just realized, hey, there's just it, a lot of it comes down to execution. And so from the focus and outset of what we were doing, even before we wanted to be an agency, again, I was hiring a designer. I was saying, hey, I know that a lot of there's no barrier to entry to what we do. Anybody can say they do it, but not a lot of people have the design chops to be good at executing it. So we wanted our site to be different. We wanted our content to be different. We wanted to show that we care about the details and invest more. And you know, you can't measure some of those things because a lot of them are gut related. But I truly feel like that's one of the things that's been able to help us kind of differentiate ourselves in a very short period of time and then get to where we are being able to make the money that we're making. And then a little thing sprinkled in of saying, hey, we're just not going to take small clients. Like we only want to take a certain minimum. And if they don't, you know, if they can't make that happen, then, hey, we're not going to dilute ourselves and get too, quote unquote, horny just to, to make make a sale. Yeah. And what's the minimum? Right now, it's around $4,000 a month. Okay. If we sort of look at the 250000 a month that you say you're almost at, how much of that is ad spend? None of it. That's all money that we're making. Wow. Okay. Awesome. I I, I, I kind of assume like some of that would include would include ad no, spend. No, no, no. But... So so yeah, the the four thousand minimum a month is what people are paying us. Not has nothing to do with their ad spend. So the cool thing too, and I've never. It's funny because with other agencies, a lot of people are tied to you know charging a percentage of ad spend. But in all reality, it's not the best way to go about it. It's not beneficial for either parties. Mm. As an agency, you don't know if it's going to go down, and you don't know what you're going to expect, and it also forces you to invoice after the month is over. And from a client perspective, you know, them spending more money doesn't necessarily mean that they're also making more money. And they also have like that slight nervousness of feeling like you might be pushy for that, right? So what we decided to do was we're going to invoice before we even get started. And it's going to automatically charge them, you know, on that date every month, and they're going to get an automatic receipt. So being able to have that cash flow, and then have really good margins at the same time, because we are where we're at, you know, monthly revenue wise, but we have a decently not that big team, I think we're almost 20 now. That has helped us be be very, very smart in being able to do that and, and being able to, quote unquote, be aggressive with what we want to do. But the cool thing is, I knew from the set that there is no real, I mean, of course, there's a market share, but in agency life, clients and opportunities come and go all the time. So I feel like it's impossible to think, you know, how you're going to be able to land grab everything that you can. So I didn't care much about putting money back into the company, to be honest. I was actually very greedy and wanted to be very profitable. And 
that has been able to keep a quite a bit of money in the bank too, that if we want to go out and actually start our own PPC campaigns, which funny enough, we have never really done other than like <laughs> a little bit of remarketing, um, then we can go do that. But actually most of the investing, so to speak, is in uh, snacks for the office and um, content pieces that we're going to push out and be more aggressive with and things like that, because that's been working so far. So we're going to double down on that. Awesome. And do you think that's kind of where the kind of the conversion part also bolts on and is a bit of an advantage? I mean, I guess when you look at, you know, as you say, there's tons of PPC agencies out there and they all, they're all kind of charging around the same model. Whereas I guess with you guys, it's you know, how you're positioned, how client business yeah. positioned is so, so differently. I think you guys have done an incredible job with that. But I guess like when you've got the conversion side as well, it makes the clients, I guess, would feel a lot better about paying up front because it's more normal to do that with conversion, whereas PPC. I, yeah, I think so. I, I think that's definitely a part of it. And I think they see the value in that too. The funny thing is, is that at the same time, we go so far down the sales rabbit hole that when I actually mention that, oh, yeah, by the way, we have a contract of a minimum amount of, of months, plus you have to pay up front. There's no way they're going to say no at that time. Um, a few of them we allow to be invoiced via check, for example, but the money is still required before we even get started. So maybe that has something to do with it. I also just think it, it has a it's just a negotiation and sales tactic at the same time that on the website, you can't see that that's what we say. That would be a stupid thing to have on there, obviously. And from from that point on, like we give them so much value in the evaluation process as well. And I think our proposal too kind of knocks it out of the park and gives them a, a ton of ideas that we say, hey, by all means, take this yourself and do it if you want to. That's what this free proposal is for. That's what you signed up for. But you're not going to be better at executing it than we are. And that's why we're in business. And so when I kind of drop that hammer, people are like, no, and I honestly don't have time either. So I do want to work with you guys. I'm like, okay, sweet. So we have a three month minimum uh, commitment and we have, you have to pay in advance too. And so that just, again, has helped us out a ton. So it, it kind of sounds like you've got the, the monetization stuff. A lot of thought has gone into that side as well as, and, and so you're kind of using the content marketing side to, to keep the top of the funnel full and then some kind of clever, like combining conversion with PPC as the service, I think is, is a really smart move. And then it seems once, once kind of clients are in, then, then there's some, it's definitely a lot of thought that's gone into how the clients are monetized and the operation side as well. So it's right. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Interesting. So I read that client boost you, I think I read in another interview that you did when I was doing a bit of research that you currently have a waiting list. Yeah, yeah, we have a few people. And this is mostly something that ebbs and flows depending on account managers being here and being full as well. So right now, what we've been very, very fortunate to do is actually have a very honest conversation with clients and kind of tighten the expectations even more and being sure that we kind of, hey, if we go pretty far down the sales cycle and they're not excited with the fact that that it takes two weeks to build things out for us and things like that and they want it faster, then we're not, we don't need to push forward and say, okay, well, we'll speed things up on our end. It's kind of, it's kind of like you come to us because we have the process that, that works really well and you're going to have to be okay with the the time and the execution of that. So some of the clients will come through where, you know, they might be solely focused on Facebook only and not so much AdWords. And, you know, if they have a certain size of ad spend, I would want them to work with the account manager that has the most experience and deals with some of our bigger clients. And sometimes they may not be available for that. So sometimes we do put people on a wait list. And most of the time it sounds sexy, but most of the time it doesn't work out that well because people do think that that a vendor like us and anybody else is kind of interchangeable in some ways. So that's why the content piece that we focus on so much is so important for us because we can scratch so many more backs 
in different ways and give value where I think a lot of other agencies, you know, struggle to keep up just consistency of posting a blog, not to mention how good is that blog post or any type of content. And do you, so is the waiting list something that you kind of market? Like, is it something that you're quite open about with potential new clients or... (laughs) I think it's super cocky to say. I don't think it's uh, something that they like. But if it is, if it is actually true, you know, I will tell them that. And sometimes the results or, or like the responses are okay. Well, yeah, let's touch base, you know, in a couple weeks or, or next month. And then sometimes when you reach back out to them, or they reach out to you, or not, they won't reach out to you, but they would already have found a solution. So it's not something that's that great. You know, I care a lot about our team and their their workload and their stress levels and making sure that they're enjoying because. A lot of these guys that are on the team have been, you know, part of other agencies. And and in the interview process, I always ask them, like, what was good and what was bad about, you know, that other agency? And I want to make sure that we kind of cater that. So it is a very, it's like a a balancing act, a a seesaw, so to speak. But it doesn't, it doesn't bode well. I would not recommend anybody telling potential clients that you have a waiting list unless it's just your reputation, right? And so that, that, at that point, we would love to get to, but I know that takes a while to, to manifest. Yeah, no, the, the reason I kind of mentioned that, because I sort of discovered something a little bit unusual um, a couple of years ago with Venture Harbor, because we, we kind of stopped consulting for a while. And so we, we kind of set up like an automated email to new leads, kind of saying, you know, we're not yeah. taking on any clients and, you know, we'll put you onto a waiting list. And we, we actually noticed that we kind of had more demand and <laughs> like more kind of leads and more, more stuff coming through when we had the waiting yeah. list. Because I think that kind of, you know, it's, it, it's almost like something that not many agencies do. And oh, no. yeah, like when you're communicating with your clients, sort of pushing back a little bit, it has that, that weird adverse effect where the client sometimes actually wants to work more with you, but it can obviously oh, sort of go both ways. Did you put that on the website so it was prominent? We didn't put it on the website, but we put it in like an automated email. So like 50, 50 minutes after they submitted our inquiry form, we, we kind of sent an email saying, you know, sound, sounds great, but we're currently at full capacity, yada, yada, yada. And then we had emails back saying like, guys, is there anything that you can do? You know, like people were really kind of wanting it in after that. I want to try your idea, but on an actual <laughs> website and just kind of have like the, the regular button crossed out and then a link underneath that that says join the waiting list. And then the reason why, obviously, at the top, uh, yeah. and see what happens. Because I think, I, I, you know, it's, it's just like plain hard to get in yeah. the dating world and it makes you go nuts if you can't have what you want. So Let's see. I, uh, I'm curious, but that's cool. I, I don't doubt that it worked. That's awesome. Yeah, I'd um, definitely a, a resource that I'd recommend, and for anyone listening that would want to to try that out, there's a really great book by a, a I forget his name, but the book is called Oversubscribed, and he he kind of talks about like applying economics to marketing, and one of his kind of key principles is that to create demand, you always need to have more demand than supply, and so if your offer is like if you have infinite supply or you're communicating that you have that like infinite ability to take on clients, which obviously no right. one does, it you can't ever produce more demand than supply. It's kind of like an interesting way of thinking about thinking about it. But uh No, hundred percent. It is it is economics. When you take it back that way, I mean it is very simple and it makes sense. And again, like that's the whole thing of like, you know, I think one of the things that we've been really good at and it's still a long climb up the hill, but it is to build brand equity. And I think with brand equity um, comes people's affinity and love for a brand that eventually they might not be ready for to work with it now, but once they come around, and again, that that builds up over time too, and I think you have to have either the reputation, and I think a lot of designers for that matter, I've seen you know the fact on their website they're not taking any new clients for the entire year or something like that, and that that's kind of badass, you know, at the same time, <laughs> but it, it works, it works. 
one of the things I kind of got the impression from reading up about client beast is that you seem very aware and conscious of the importance of getting clients to a point where they're successful as quickly as possible when they sign up with you. First of all, is that true? Yeah, I'm, I'm a little uh, intense when it comes to <laughs> figuring out internally like what we can do to say, you know, what's the ramp time? If we tell clients that it takes us two weeks to build things out, what do we have to do to get that to one week, for example? It's mm. kind of like shipping times with Amazon in a sense. Like I just want to make sure that people get because there's a time from when they sign up to when they like you. And then there's a different time to when they actually trust you, right? Yeah. And so in between those two points is usually the build-out phase and the ramp phase until you get results. And so the in the, the proposals that we give, we give them a starting action plan that the account manager then executes on. And in my mind, like that's the fastest way to get from point A to point B, um, considering the goals that we talked to and set with the client. So the faster that happens, it means that we're paying for ourselves. They know their ROI is great. And now we just got to keep bringing on the value. And so there's another science behind that I want to eventually emulate. It's kind of like the whole Apple approach, meaning, you know, Tim Cook might already know what the Apple or sorry, what the, the iPhone 10 is and what it's going to do, but he's not going to release it anything yet. Like he's going to take it pretty slow and still give people value. I guess people could argue with the iPhone 7 not being that transformative, but it's the same thing with us, right? Like we might know that, hey, this week we're launching this next week, we're launching that. But we don't tell the client, we only give them what we're doing for the, the week that we're working on. So we know that we can keep bringing value. But if we are in a sprint and try to build everything out so fast that we don't have anything to launch later on or tweak, then why, you know, why work with us? And so it's a way of kind of teasing, but also giving people what they want. But, you know, as fast as possible, getting to that first goal and then keep bringing value on top of that. So that's kind of like my obsessive nature that I like to, to have. And that means that I then ask, you know, our lead designer, Josh, like, hey, what do we need to do to have this happen? Do we need to hire more people? Because if so, like, like, let's start doing that. And let's make that the norm for us. So it's kind of like, you know, when a SaaS company rolls out a new update to their product to make people happy based on the feedback, like that's exactly what what we do just in a, in a service-based business. Well, as far as they go, it's a good obsession to have, I think. But, uh, <laughs> so what are some kind of specific ways that you've been able to consistently across various clients bring that time almost like the time to value back to as little as possible. Yeah, so when, when people have heard of, heard my rants and things like that, that I, I often refer back to two things that were, are within the PBC world and another thing that's within the landing page world. One thing is, is granularity within an account. And that means lowering the discrepancy ratios between audiences that you're building out in Facebook and the individual ones to make the, the basically the ad sets as small as possible, still having enough volume. So you can know what behaviors or interests that you're actually targeting perform in what way, right? And the same thing goes with the display. If you have contextual keyword targeting and you have a lot of automatic placements, well, are you extracting those placements to target them directly? And same thing with search terms and keyword discrepancies. So that is an often very, very big low-hanging fruit that we then use. And it, it doesn't matter what industry the client's in. The same thing with shopping campaigns for that matter too. And like how many different search terms they have per product group and things like that. So when we make that ratio closer to one-to-one, -one, we can control things a lot, a lot greater scale. And that means that we can also, you know, pause or lower the bids on things that aren't working as great now that we've exposed them. And then the second thing is what in the lead gen and SaaS world are basically multi-step landing pages. And I know you know a lot about that too. <laughs> and basically it just means that, hey, know that nobody, when, when you're the bulk of your traffic is made up of generic and general search terms that are not brand related to you, people have no loyalty to you. There are seven ads on google.com that when they click your ad and they go back, 
It's because they didn't get a great experience. So what can you do to get you, you know, their foot in your door? And so a lot of times it just means that we need to lower the threat of what we're asking people to do. And so you know, one of the things I talk a lot about too is like the PVC thermometer, meaning matching the intent of the visitor with what you're asking them to do. Because if you are a lawyer and you have a free consultation as your call to action because people are searching for you on Google for that, right? Then sure, that's easy. You can, you can easily get conversions that way. But if you try to do that with retargeting, even that or regular display advertising or social, it's going to be hard because people aren't looking for that. Like you might, you know, demographically and interest wise and, and topic wise target them. That's great. But it's a far stretch to get to think that they're actually going to put in their information, their personal contact information, which in the minds of a visitor is some of the most threatening information they can give away minus credit card information. So knowing that and kind of operating on those like truths, so to speak, we've seen again and again that it's performing super well for all different clients and is usually one of the quickest ways to get from point A to point B. So that's kind of what we stick to. And then also the variations of that. And if they run more Facebook campaigns and things like that, like where do we see those opportunities? So it's, it's also unique to each client. Got it. And that kind of brings me nicely onto the next point, because that, that, that was kind of what you were speaking about when we met at Digital Elite Camp in Estonia earlier this year, wasn't it? The kind of PPC thermometer and optimize, like using the kind of multi-step landing pages. Mm-hmm. So can you kind of explain, because one of the things that I found really interesting from your talk in Estonia was how you were kind of using these kind of multi-step forms, multi-step landing pages to, to kind of segment people into different buckets. And I think one of the things that, that particularly what we found from the data we lead formally, and, you know, it was really refreshing to kind of hear you talk about was everyone in the conversion industry is saying, shorten your forms. Right. You know, <laughs> Expedia are famous for, they deleted one field in their form and made an extra <laughs> million dollars. And right. it's not bad advice. Like generally, it, generally it works because most forms are so bad and shouldn't be asking informa- that information in the first place. But your kind of point was that by extending the form and actually making them longer, you were seeing better results. Can you kind of explain like how you came across that and what led you to, to kind of focusing on these multi-step forms? How did I? I don't know how I came across it. And <laughs> I, what I think actually happened was we had an education client in the education space, like an online university. And we noticed that the bigger players in the PPC world, like Phoenix, University of Phoenix and things like that, I don't know if it was on purpose, but they have such insanely long forms because they deal with so much, uh, so many leads that they probably have to have a lot of points to um, decide on which ones to focus on first and which ones to you know, basically prioritize. And so we noticed that, hey, it doesn't look good when you have a form that extends from the top of the fold to all the way at the bottom. That just looks like a daunting task, right? So what if you split it up and kind of give people micro chunks? And what we found out was interesting. So we did it and it worked for obviously the, the educational client. But I'm like, hmm, I wonder if if people, because we found out like, and this is kind of a truth as well, like most people want to, you know, the biggest elephant in the room that people have, no matter what the vertical is that you're advertising is what, what does it cost, right? Like what's the pricing? And so if I know where at least your pricing starts at, cool. Now I can compare you to my other options. So that's what the visitor wants to do. But the advertiser wants to capture anything they can as fast as possible, right? So there's like a mix of the, the marketing horniness of the advertiser and the uh, anonymity of a visitor that they want to keep. And how do you marry those? And so we found that through different types of businesses, you know, usually if it's lead gen, people default to say, hey, let's just ask the most minimum amount of fields we possibly can. But in the eyes of the visitor, they know that that's also the most threatening information they can give because it has to be contact information. It has to be name, email, and phone number. And a person also knows, being a visitor, 
that they're not going to get an answer to their question right away if they have to give that up as the first impression, right? So with multi-step, what it basically does is we're just asking the client, hey, when you get this lead and all you have is their name, email, and phone number, what questions do you ask them to figure out if it's a good fit? And so, for example, let's give a random, I'm looking at our floor. Let's say that we, uh, we have a client that does flooring, right? So some questions that they would ask a visitor or a lead once it, it comes through would be, well, you know, how many square feet or square meters do you need? What type of flooring are you looking for and how soon do you need it, right? Those might be some qualifying questions that they figure out if they're a good fit or not. Why not just ask those questions as the first impression that a visitor gets? Because now the visitor thinks that they're probably going to get a dollar amount or at least a quote on the next page, right? But instead it says, hey, thanks so much for filling this out. We're putting your quote together. Where can we send it when it's ready? So because they micro committed and they might some, again, some people get frustrated and still, and still leave. It's not, you know, there's not a hundred percent conversion right here, but they're much more likely to finish what they started and go through that. And so it doesn't, it doesn't lead to a balance either back to Google because they, they weren't greeted with, you know, name, email, phone, or as a requirement. So it's kind of like a little, not sleazy, but kind of like a thing like, Hey, gotcha. You thought you were going <laughs> to get a quote, but you're not and go through. It's the same thing that we build our entire website around. So we have a three-step process where we start with questions that are very easy to answer, usually in drop-down form, and then progressively it gets more threatening to ask them more specific questions that reveal who they are and their identity. And there's like, a, I, I definitely did not, you know, do these studies, and I'm not the the psychologist behind it, but I've read a lot of stuff about, you know, the interpersonal. I'm not even saying it right, but like the the pressures in the brain that mount that once you start something, you want to finish it, right? And so that doesn't necessarily apply to me when it comes to like working out, for example. Like I don't. I don't stick to it, but as far as things where you see an end, you do want to finish it. So um, that's where it might make sense to do, and that's kind of what we were like, uh huh. And uh, let's start doing that for our clients. Now, it only works in a sense for people who are looking for a quote or anything like that, or even a demo or a trial of a software. If you're promoting an ebook as your call to action, then, for example, I wouldn't recommend having a multi-step form in that sense because the the threat levels are not that great in a sense to, to need to do that. And can you share how your form is doing for the, the Client Beast website? Like, did you have like a before and after or was it A-B tested? No, it's actually, it's very shameful, the lack of A-B testing we've done on our <laughs> site in its entirety. So it's been that proposal flow since the get-go. It's just having a different mask and a different branding and look over time. But it's the same questions that we've been asking, funny enough. Before we go on, if you're looking to grow your client base and capture more leads for your agency, then I'd recommend checking out Leadformly. Leadformly is a lead generation tool ran by yours truly that enables you to upgrade the forms on your website to conversion optimized forms that are going to increase your conversion rate and help you capture more qualified leads from your website. Using Leadformly, we've seen agencies capture up to 700% more leads. So if you're interested in giving it a try, we have a 14-day free trial that you can check out at leadformly.com. That's L-E-A-D-F-O-R-M-L-Y.com. Once again, that's at leadformly.com. I think it's fair to say that you're quite prolific when it comes to producing content around PPC conversion optimization. I think you, I think you write for Unbounced, Moz, um, a lot of the kind of the big, you know, major, major blogs in this space. Can you give any insight into kind of how you think? Like, what is your philosophy around content marketing as a method for growing an agency? I think um, in the beginning, you know, what we knew, we didn't have an audience. I still think we have a very small audience, to be honest. And I, I knew that hey, in order for us to kind of, um, you know, shock the system and grow a little faster, we need to piggyback off of other people's well-established audiences first. Um, so that comes from, you know, marketing profs and unbalanced and 
uh, Marin and, and all these other areas where we can see that, you know, people that might be interested in what we do are hanging out. And then from, from that point on, it was just, you know, who am I as a person? And do I, if I think I'm funny enough and help people out to get the valuable content that's, you know, actionable and educational at the same time, can I do both? And so, you know, a lot of people that come back who edit my blog post from that specific uh, website or be like, hey, you probably need to tone down the humor a little, <laughs> a little bit on this or something like that. And I'm like, no, you asked me to guest post for your site and now you're wanting me to change. It. No, I'm not going to do that. And so <laughs> there's a little back and forth where they're like, OK, fine, you're, you get to do what you want. Honestly, I think and I tell this a lot to our team members, too. I'm like, you are the same person at home with your friends as you are with your clients. Obviously, there are things that you're not going to say to your clients, but I, I literally want you to have the same relationship because I tell people like you see me on client calls you see me interact with you you see me beat you in Mario Kart which happens quite often like <laughs> am I not the same person across all those different scenarios and they're like yeah and I'm like okay so like let's let's work on that you know with you and so it's been it, there's not much strategy in the beginning of what we were doing because we had the distribution of the of the guest post and then for the longest time and this is in our in our blog post when we hit the first hundred thousand dollar you know uh, monthly recurring revenue, I show a screenshot of like, you know, there's nothing happening as far as traction in our Google Analytics account when it comes to traffic. And so it wasn't until we focused more heavily on the promotion aspect. And I think we can still do a lot better than what we're doing now to get more people to see it. Because it's I, I kind of treat it as a, a TV commercial that you're actually um, creating and you're spending all this money and time, you know, making it, but then you have no distribution. You have no channel that's actually going to air it. And so that's the same approach that I take with the, the content. So We've been kind of snowballing that and wanted to get more aggressive with having more content and then more quantity of that content while keeping the quality high. And then honestly, I mean, the whole, you know, so to speak, the reason why is because I know, you know, blog posts and even other types of content, whether they be videos, slide shares and, and other things, the only thing that we care about is trying to give value without any expectation. And obviously, now we have the expectation because we know it works. But there might be some blog posts that are not doing that great and we'd spend a lot of time on it and it didn't ever give us any leads or it didn't rank, for example. Um, sweet, we're on the next one. Like we're not gonna waste our time scratching our heads. Like there is it, it's very like Frankenstein over here, believe it or not. It looks like we have our crap together, but there are a lot <laughs> of things that we still gotta learn. And it's just a matter of executing and then adapting and pivoting if you find that something doesn't work. So you figure out well what why why does it not work? And let me exhaust all the options I have to figure that out. And that's what we did to begin with. Yeah. So kind of a throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then, and then take that and then try to make more of that stickiness, you know, the, depending on how you cook it. And all that. Anyways, I was trying to be funny. It didn't really work out. <laughs> and but I agree with <laughs> would, would you then kind of say that the, the blog posts are what seem to be working quite well? So that's, that's where you're doubling down at the moment. Right. So we just hired like a, a month ago, hired two other people to join our team full time. And the content that we put out is the only way that we've gotten our leads and our clients. And so, you know, we're an agency that has maybe around 60 clients right now. And the crazy part is that we're getting around 30, 30 to 40 leads a week. <laughs> and that also shows you either one, we're terrible at following up because we have too many. Uh, they're not good fits or some of them, they're, you know, they're gems in that haystack. And so we're, we're being more selective with who we bring on and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's really impressive numbers in, you know, less than two years. Yeah, thank you. Cool. Well, Jonathan, what I want to do is before we wrap up, I've got a couple of quick fire questions. Yeah. First of all, what's your number one book recommendation for business owners or agency owners? 
oh my gosh, I'm going to go a 180 on you is like, don't read, don't consume any content. You don't have time. Um, <laughs> for me, I love, I'm a big fan of like Gary Vaynerchuk, I, you know, and like what he does. I probably have seven books that I've read halfway and then given up because something looked like a shiny object and I went on to that. But honestly, nothing as far as as an agency owner, just a business owner in general, if you have time to read, there's something wrong with how you prioritize <laughs> what you want to execute. To be honest, like we have a never ending list of ideas that we want to push forward with. So my answer is don't read. Stop reading, to be honest. So how do you get better? How do you learn? What's your kind of go to? Yeah, great question. So when you have to explain something to other people, and you have to sound eloquent about it, that is the best way to retain that information. So every time I write a blog post, I go out and find the best performing post around that subject, I completely steal, not completely shameless as well, steal what they have, obviously, you know, change it into my wording and all that stuff, and then add more to it, which is kind of like the skyscraper technique that, that Brian Dean from Backlinko has all done. But that forces me to learn about it. Because if I sound stupid, or if somebody says, hey, that's not true, like, I'm gonna like, you know, be pretty uh, embarrassed, right? So from my perspective, all of my reading comes in preparation to write content for a guest post or our own blog. So I kind of lied, I guess I do read, but it's only, <laughs> it's only with the end goal of being able to sound smarter than who you're trying to compete with. So that has helped me out tremendously. And also when, you know, people have questions that I might not answer, I can usually pull something out of my butt that's uh, semi-eloquent um, <laughs> until I figure out what the true answer is too. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I think there was actually a really cool uh, thing that I remember seeing a few years ago, a study that found that I think the, the information that you retain from reading books is something like below 5%, five percent, but the information you retain from teaching something to someone else is like above 90%. Yeah, yep, exactly. And that's why we tried even to, to get our account managers and our designers to write for the blog on a topic that they might be not the strongest at, but you know they're also so busy that they, they haven't been able to. But I know it's one of the ultimate ways to retain information is when you have to teach each other. So I, I agree. Next question. What is your favorite tool right now? Favorite tool? I would probably say this is, a, again, ironic because we don't do, for, for me, as far as being in the marketing and sales department of the company, it's uh, HREFs. So, or some, as some people call it, AHREFs, which is just a way to see our health of our domain and what we're doing is if it's going in the right direction. So we recently just signed up with that and I'm very intrigued and impressed with what it does. But it's all content and SEO related, funny enough, not nothing to do with PPC. So we use other tools like SpyFu, What Runs Where, things like that for just like account expansion options for our clients. But AHS is what I personally use and spending a lot of time on right now. Nice. What's one piece of advice that you would give to an agency owner who's looking to go from six figures annual revenue up to seven figures? The biggest thing is take a hard long look at your current site and your brand and decide what are the micro improvements you can make to just polish your look. I think a lot of things that we've done, again, it's very subjective at the same time. So it's hard to say, right? Do you have an eye for design? And if not, can you find somebody to help you with that? Because once you focus on having and caring about brand equity and caring, for example, that we go out and we have a professional photographer take our about pictures and put them on our site, even though, again, people might say that's cheesy because we have a picture of our dog. And I'm like, F you, I don't care. Like he's, <laughs> he's, my, uh, he's my son. <laughs> um, things like that. It's, it's been working well for us. And I think, like I said earlier, a lot of it's gut, but a lot of it's also like the, the intuition that I have has been working really well. And um, for an agency owner, you know, understand that there is no barrier to entry for somebody else to start a business that you already have. So you have to go out there and care about your design, 
care about what you're putting out. And the only way to win in the long term is to build the brand equity through content marketing. It truly is. Um, you can't do and be relying on cold calls and client referrals. I can't tell you how many times I've seen agencies die and people that are on our team now that have been part of those sinking ships. So think about that and be in it for the long term. And also my favorite thing, and I'm still adjusting and kind of like recalibrating my brain around it is to fall in love with the shit, meaning fall in love with the conflicts that you might have with clients, fall in love with the the lack of um, of months where you don't have great sales numbers. Because if you feel like you're building a brand and you're building your equity over time, that stuff will follow. So you have to be obsessed with just building something. And I think that's why I've been pretty obsessed in my earlier days playing like role-playing games on PC because I feel like I could level up my character <laughs> and things like that to get stronger and bigger. And that's kind of like the real life scenario that we're in now. So, so those are the, the recommendations I would definitely give. Awesome. What has been the biggest cause of client churn for you? And what's one way that you've been able to try and tackle it? It's not so much the execution and the not necessarily like the lack of results. It's more so building people's confidence up and being able to have them talk about anything that's under the sun when it comes to PBC and CRO, which is a big, a big challenge, right? Like if I could clone my brain into everybody, I think we'd be doing much better than we are now. But I also know that people have different strengths and different weaknesses. So I think the, the two things that have been most challenging for us is having clients at the individual account manager level fall in love with you and not just like you, but like actually fall in love with you and have that trust being built very fast because then, then honesty happens. And if anything can rock the boat, you can have that honest conversation and say, hey, I know you guys are ramping up your internal team. You know, my biggest fear is losing you guys and being able to still work with you. So what's the timeline look like? What, like what's your idea for that? And again, some clients are really surprised with that, but it's just, it's an honest conversation. And communication is such an X factor that it's really hard to put your finger on it, but it's such, such a big deal. And a lot of job posting says, and I, now I realize it because when I was looking for jobs in the past, you know, job postings and, and things like that would say, hey, you need to be good at communication. I'm like, of course I'm good at communication. I can read and write. Like I can talk. Like, <laughs> I got that. That's easy. But it's not that. It's being able to like actually get to the point. And, and when, you know, you feel like a client isn't unhappy about something or like we missed something in the quality checking process or something like that, you know, don't shy away. Tackle it head on and call them. And that's, that's really scary for some people to do. So I think that's one thing. The other thing is um, people building their internal teams. And, and I can't blame you because eventually everybody would want to have everything under one house uh, or sorry, under one, one roof uh, and having them do what we do. And the cool thing is we feel like we make PBC so profitable for our clients that that's inevitably going to happen at some point um, where they want to build people up where they may be you know, have a uh, cloudy vision thinking that they can actually clone what we are in-house, which I'm going to be very cocky and say, I don't think they can. <laughs> so those, those are the two biggest things, like communication with clients and then just the risk of, of people building out their internal teams is how the biggest reason for why I think we've, we've lost a lot of our, our clients. So what's next for Client Boost? A New York office, actually. So end of next year, our goal is to be at $500,000 a month in uh, reoccurring revenue. And if that happens, we're going to start being in other time zones. And obviously, you know, the US is a, a pretty wide country. And we've had before a lot of clients ask us, you know, where we're located. And if they're in New York, they're not too excited about, you know, working with us over here, or they just don't let us know either. So it's kind of like, honestly, it's kind of like an ego thing at the same time. I think that's pretty badass to, uh, <laughs> to create a second office. And then it's just being able to, again, make everybody stronger, invest in more training for the individual account managers, give them a path uh, of success and growth themselves, whether that be promotions or raises and things like that. And so I think we're doing a really good job with that so far. But as we 
expand and have different time zones, it's going to be more to deal with. And so, but that is our goal for next year is a double what we're at by the end of this year, which is, should be at 250. So awesome. Well, I have no doubt that you'll, uh, you'll smash your targets. So, uh, <laughs> I'm excited. I'll let you know. It'll be, it'll be very fun. But uh, thank you so much. Yeah. And then uh, the next stop, London. Yeah, exactly. That, that, <laughs> that is following the footsteps of Gary Vee. I think he just recently opened one out there. Yeah. He seems to be doing quite a lot of stuff over here at the moment. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the guy has like 600, 700 employees. So there's a lot Jeez. to catch up to. Wow. Well, Jonathan, it's been awesome having you here. Amazing insights and, you know, really appreciate your time and, yeah. you know, sharing all this stuff with, uh, with listeners. So a huge thank you for, for coming on the show. If people want to learn more about you or check out Climb Boost, what's the best way for them to, to learn a bit more? Yeah, I mean, go to our, our website that's spelled in a very weird way. It's the client, like a customer, but with a K. We own the C version, and I just have it forward <laughs> because I just <laughs> wanted it to be different that way. But that's the best way. And then you can see and find um, you know, our Twitter handles, my Twitter handle, whatever you prefer. Follow us on Dribble or Instagram as well. So yeah. Awesome. So that's Client Boost spelled K-L-I-E-N-T-B-O-O-S-T.com. Yep. Awesome. Well, Jonathan, again, thanks for coming on the show and see you soon. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the 10 Extra Agency podcast. If you're interested in acquiring more leads for your business, I'd like to invite you to a free webinar that I'll be hosting on how to acquire 300% more leads from your website without increasing your traffic. In this webinar, I'll be sharing how you can turn your website into a lead generation machine, four strategies on how you can boost your form submissions by 300% and much more. So if you're interested, all you need to do is go to Google, type in lead formally, acquire more leads. That's lead formally spelled L-E-A-D-F-O-R-M-L-Y, acquire more leads. And the landing page to register for the webinar should appear at the top. As I said, it's completely free and we run this webinar every single week. So once again, thanks for listening to this week's episode and stay tuned for next week's episode of the 10 Agency podcast. 